Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Oliver Banks is joining us. We're going to do a couple of episodes with Ollie as we prepare for the Productivity and Transformation Conference in September. Hi, Ollie. How are you? Really looking forward to the Productivity and Transformation Conference. And we're going to get into a bit of a chat about myths and mottos in retail today. Absolutely. Shall we just bring people up to speed with what Productivity and Transformation 2022 is? Because this is our event that I am so excited to be collaborating with you and with the Rethink Productivity team for. It's happening on the 15th of September in Birmingham in the UK for our international listeners. And we're going to be diving into some really big themes. Simon? Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for the day. I would encourage people who haven't signed up to sign up quickly. Places are going fast. It's a free event, retail, hospitality focused. But don't be disappointed because we do have a limited number of spaces. There's only so far we want to stretch. You know, people don't want to be that close together because of what's happened in the last couple of years. So we need plenty of space, plenty of room, but a limited number of people. So you've got to sign up. You will find that link to sign up on the show notes or reach out to Simon or myself, either on LinkedIn or we'll, we'll share our emails a bit later on. Yeah, there's plenty of publishing on social media. So again, find all the nine social. We've both got links to sign up pages on websites, but I would just encourage you to get in there quick. Do not be disappointed. Absolutely. So it's going to be an awesome day. Yep. Can't wait. Lots of planning already done. Lots of planning to come. Lots of guests to reveal. But before we do that, I think we're going to have a, a quick chat. I'm looking forward to this one about retail myths and mottos. So our our lives, Ollie, both started out in stores, didn't they? And working for various retailers and, and that kind of stuff. We're going to touch on acronyms in the second episode. That'll be entertaining itself. Guess, guess the acronym. Um, but myths and mottos today. So go on, kick us off with the first retail myth or motto. Well, the first retail myth that, or myth or motto, I should say, that we are going to explore today, Simon, is perhaps the classic retail motto of the customer is always right. What are you, what's your take on this, Simon? They're always right when, until they're wrong. <laughs> so a real life example, so a real life example, I, I was working in DIY store, um, got called to the the service desk so a lady stood there not very happy with her, her son said hi how are you and you've asked to speak to the manager how may I help you she said this this, uh, this head trimmer doesn't work I said oh that, that's unfortunate and only just bought it here's my receipt so thank you very much let, let me just check it over see if I can help so she cut through the cable right. and was ad- was adamant she hadn't cut through the cable the cable was clearly cut by the breadth of the um the blade and it just stopped working when she was using it. So I was quite tactful, uh, which is probably not what people may expect from me. And diplomatic, again, which probably people might, might not expect. I kind of said, well, it, it, to me, it looks like we've cut through the cable here. It's a really clean cut. If you put it there, it's exactly the same aperture. It kind of explains why it would have just stopped working. Da, 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 da. And I won't bore you with the detail of the rest of the conversation. But that, for me, is a classic example of you've then got a dilemma of, do you take the customer on face value? They're always right. Or actually, are there times when you do have to push back? Um, don't know, but that, that's a real life story of, for me where maybe the customer isn't always right. Yeah, I think that's interesting because what is right, Simon? Because I, I could definitely argue in that situation that the customer believed they were right. They have gone out of their way, you know, spent 
time, money, effort to get to the store. If, if you know, yes, they're looking for, for, for a resolution. Yes, perhaps some customers may have made the mistake and realized and trying to wing it. The majority of times, though, I don't think customers are trying to be fraudulent, I would suggest. Yes, there are some out there. And yes, I'm sure we've all got examples. But I think the customer often believes they're right, whether they are or are not. Yeah, I think there's an education piece, isn't there? There's always a compromise. So if you if you can put yourself in their shoes, see where they're coming from, I think there's always a, a win-win. Um, but on face value, I'm not sure they're, they're always right. But yeah, I take I take your point. It depends depends what you define as right. Yeah, I think so. And I think you touch on a really important point there because the you know thinking about the customer is always right and almost sort of bleeds us into a, another retail motto of sort of being customer centric or customer focused or customer first where actually how often do you truly look at your own operations your own experience from your customer's perspective where you don't know everything about your business where you don't understand the pain points you don't know the the lingo and the little sort of reasons for this or the the ways of doing that actually, how do you take a look at your business, at your experience, like I say, and say, like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just going to approach it as it comes. I'm going to use the info that I get fed, whether it's sort of transaction on a website. What do I what do I understand from the FAQs or the delivery page or whether it is browsing in store? And what information can I find out about a particular product to make an informed decision? I think that's a, a really important skill going forward. Yeah. And again, there's lots of metrics out there, isn't there, in terms of customer satisfaction, CX, as, as people kind of band it, those metrics where you've been asked to rate your experience, tap the smiley face, tap the sad face, put some <laughs> verbatim comments in. So so I think that they are valued. I think they'll be even more important. And again, if you ask for feedback, you kind of then obliged to do something with it because the worst thing is to ask for feedback and then be ignored because you then build apathy and you lose the kind of advocacy in the brand. Yeah. And again, real life example, and this for me is where there's still a disconnect. So on another podcast I've talked about where we've talked about top, top stock and high shelves, so where you've got boxes or stock above that's not for sale, but is the um, excess overstock for that particular four foot, eight foot, run for me it makes from a productivity point of view it's absolute sense it's located close to the product easier to count easier to replenish reduces waste and walk from a senior leader tip senior leadership and field team in most organizations they don't like it because it doesn't look very nice Mm. now as a customer i've never walked into my local supermarket and gone i'm not going to buy that pack of biscuits because there's a dirty round but dirty big great brown box above it i've walked in and thought yeah price seems fair got stock i'm going to have it so again what uh, for me my customer mind my metrics are um is it there is it a fair price and if it is I'll, i'll potentially buy it not actually does it look nice above yeah i might look up and think oh if this was my store i would tidy that up which is my retailer's head not my customer head Mm, absolutely availability is the aim of the game and if capping shelves or top shelves however you refer to them allow you to bring that stock down replenish it shelf quickly 
then great. And actually, if you're not able to replenish its shelf quickly, but the customer can still see it's there, then they've got the option to ask for some help to bring it down. Or if they're particularly tall, they can uh, reach it for themselves. The I suppose the only caveat to that is where it's being used in an unsafe manner and you've got those sort of leaning tower of pieces sort of the pickle jars yeah. and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, please don't yeah, fall. <laughs> need some rules there needs to be some rules in the game but um you know it looks untidy let's not do it let's put it all back yeah what where was that on the customer survey because i suspect queues at tills staff available availability of products and pricing were mentioned a lot more than those brown boxes or those packets above the shelves that i can't reach that you're kind of not supposed to reach anyway unless you're a colleague Absolutely, absolutely. Go on, what you got next? Well, how about another classic retail one? Retail is detail. I love this phrase. I first heard it uh, quite early on in my career at Tesco. And obviously, I love love the rhyming nature of it. But I also love what it implies, but also love it as a challenge point as well, because quite often I've heard people using it almost as a way to gloss over the detail, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a chance to say, well, let's zoom down into it and get into more detail. What, what's your uh, experience with retail is detail? Yeah, I, I think it is one of those classic phrases that's coined and probably will be coined forever and a day in, in this environment. You know, if you're not into the detail, then those things grow and become a big issue that you've, you've missed or as blindsided you and certainly in retail being blindsided by something is something nobody wants from a a store or customer point of view because um you're not prepared for it and you Mm. potentially might not react in the same way yeah i think i think it's one of those again probably an example a real life example if you think of pricing in retail shops um if one or two labels are missing it's not ideal uh, and customers might take it to the to the checkouts or service desk and ask the price or they might not buy it which which isn't great um but actually, if that then perpetuates to each day we miss one or two price changes, new labels, all of a sudden we've got a store that's got a big problem because a quarter of the stuff isn't priced. And that comes with trading standards issues, lost sales, customer dissatisfaction. So for, for me, that statement's all, always really meant if you are focusing on the detail, you know, it, it's never going to be perfect in an environment with lots of people and customers are variable and stock and all the other things that go on. Mm. but it probably means you avoid the big catastrophic issues that come from when the detail becomes, you know, that big um, meteor that comes hurtling towards you that hits you at a, a million miles an hour. Yeah. I, th- I think it's really interesting because also retail is detail suggests that you're getting into advanced uh, considerations and aspects, but actually when you think about what's happening in the market and a lot of initiatives that many different, not just retailers, but customer facing companies have launched in recent years, all sort of focused around fundamentals or back to basics. There's a huge opportunity with resetting the standards, going after you know colleague training to bring people up to speed on how things work. And arguably I would say, you know, a, a back to basics program is not the detail. It is level one, so to speak. Yeah. And I think I think there is a huge opportunity. So we shouldn't be scared of that. You know, it's it's always good to do a, a proverbial spring clean, not necessarily around cleaning, but about resetting and saying there's a load of stuff. 
it's blown us off course. Let's spend a moment, get back to what we know we must do really well, the core, essentially, and, and then get on to adding more intricacies, helping customers deal with data, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I think people get pulled into the exciting stuff. So the, oh, yeah. new, the new <laughs> the new product, the new hardware that's in the, the environment, the new fandangle thing that's coming down from head office, and that takes the right off the detail, and it's then very difficult to get those rhythms and routines back. So for me, retail is relatively simple. If you've got relatively happy colleagues, and I think you have to accept in the, the bigger the environment, the bigger the challenge that is, because it's really difficult to keep everybody happy all the time. So as a consensus, are most people happier? Um, if you've got stock and it's priced and your store's clean, and I think cleanliness has crept up the agenda since uh, COVID, mm-hmm. people are just acutely more aware of it, um, you're probably not far off. And then you've got different levels and layers underneath that. But the, the core principles are relatively simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. Simon, what myth or motto should we explore next? Uh, one I used to hear a lot is what gets measured gets managed. So... I think it's a tricky one and I'll, I'll come to you for your view, but you know, if, if in an organization, your immediate boss, so if you run a store or a hotel, so your area regional manager has a passion for stores being really tidy, then guess what you'll focus on. If your leader has a passion for training for colleagues, guess what you'll focus on. So I find it really interesting having worked for lots of different people across my career in those environments that you, you quickly realize that that is a, a quite a simple way to get ahead but actually when you come out of that environment what you realize is all of them are, are jumping to slightly different tunes so from a corporate point of view you've got this big discrepancy going on i don't know if you've experienced that or or any stories absolutely well uh, I, i've actually just been doing a workshop earlier on today where this was actually a key theme uh, and it's so important to think about your measurements, think about your KPIs, your metrics, etc. I I actually prefer rather than what's get rather than what gets measured gets managed, I actually prefer measure what matters, which yep. actually drives us to focus on what is actually important. Because you know, it's it's there in the original uh, myth, I suppose. If you are focused on the wrong topic it will drive the wrong behavior. And if you are driving the wrong behaviors, that's just not good for your overall business. It's not going to deliver the results that you hope it will do. It's going to mean that perhaps people find ways of gamifying a particular measure. I'm sure we've all got experiences of different gamification uh, techniques and strategies, whether it's hiding products such that you can prove they're always available or waiting until you waste off certain products, keeping it in the freezer until you're ready to scan it through and into the bin because you've got a a nice low day on the waste. All of those different things ultimately drive so much extra effort (laughs) to to make sure that the measure is right. Um, I I think it, it does challenge us. And I think the other thing to throw in here is we love a bit of competition in retail, don't we? Whether it's league tables of who's got the most sales or who's got you know the best the best KPI for whatever KPI we're looking at in the company, in the group, blah, 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 whatever. 
I think it actually can really inspire us to some great things. But we also must recognise that when we are in a league table against our own colleagues, we might be taking the eye off the ball around actually helping customers and competing in, you know, an, a, an intensive market. Yeah, no, no, I agree. It's, um, it's interesting that, yeah, it kind of drives disparity or variance just because of those local nuances where actually as a, corp- a corporation, back to kind of your your subtle change in the messaging and what you're trying to drive is consistent focus on the key things that matter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you avoid all of that uh, cottage industry and custom processes to make sure that you're managing what is measured. But most importantly, you are measuring what matters. Absolutely. So final one then, what have you got? For me, I love the phrase that only constant is change. We've heard it so much over the past couple of years and actually probably even longer than that, to be honest. But I think this is really reflective that the only constant is change. But I'd temper that with the fact that how much has life really changed when you look at it? You know, we're not flying around in flying cars and living life truly in the metaverse just yet. What are your thoughts on uh, on this myth or motto, Simon? No, I agree. Yeah, I think if you if you wait for things to settle down or to become normal or there to be no change, you're probably disappointed. So I think once you accept the fact that changes, changes are constant, sometimes there may be more than others, um, you can kind of get your head around it then and really move forward and, and start planning and, and delivering that change. I think it, it it's we've talked about it before it's that kind of evolution or revolution i think certainly in the environments we work in and talk about it's evolving all the time yes there'll be transformational programs yes there'll be transformational people that are looking at big step change but actually the run of the mill is constant evolution and and that's really what you see and once you can get your head around that i think uh, the world is a, a lot easier place to live in and deal with absolutely and i love that concept of evolution in the retail in the retail marketplace because it is changing all the time it's just not sort of totally white paper (laughs) change but what's important is that businesses and operating models continue to change as well because if you don't continue to change and you stay static for extended periods of time and i'm sure we can all think of examples of companies, retail or not, where there has been no change, no meaningful change, or the wrong change, and you've not kept up with the times. And then suddenly, the leap from the status quo to arguably current benchmark levels is so enormous, when actually it could have been easily avoided through continual reinvention, continual transformation and ongoing iteration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let, let's pause there and we'll come back and we'll do the next episode as we talked about on retail acronyms. I've got a couple of corking ones that you'll never guess. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling the beads of sweat yeah. uh, accumulating I, on my brow right now. <laughs> I'm sure you've got a couple of, a couple the other way. So um, maybe it, it will, it might even be a, a, an episode with expletives in depending on which ones we, uh, we pull out, pull out the bag from previous history. But anyway, oh, and so, hey, folks, here's, here's the opportunity to get involved if you would like to 
throw an acronym in our direction for the next episode, then reach out either to me, oliver.banks at obandco.uk or Simon. Yep. Or Simon at rethinkproductivity.co.uk or you can message us both on LinkedIn if you're connected or connect and message us. Absolutely. So throw us the, the, the challenging acronyms that you would like to, uh, to test us on. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And if you, of course, would like to join Productivity and Transformation 2022, then reach out. You must register. Like Simon said earlier on, tickets are going super fast, uh, really quite a lot faster than, uh, than we could have hoped for, So, which is fantastic. I can't wait for the day. Simon, any closing thoughts? No, I'm going off now to write my list of acronyms before I forget. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go off. I'm going to get prepared and I will speak to you on the next one. Take care. Catch you then, Simon. Thanks. Bye.